0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm
1: excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahy, or any of the other 400 plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family.
0: This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com breadbox. Welcome to Quote Me, a weekly podcast that seeks to encourage, inspire, and lift you up to be all you were created to be. Words are powerful. Recognizing and celebrating the impact they have on our lives can comfort or challenge us, or both at once. I'm your host, Lindsay Schlegel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I hope we can honor the truth, beauty, and goodness of well-chosen language, and so glorify God. Let's begin. My guest today is Rachel Bullman, a wife, mother, writer, and speaker. She frequently contributes Tributes to the Word on Fire blog and CatholicMom.com. Her first book will be published with our Sunday visitor next fall, and she has contributed to two books with Ave Maria Press and Ignatius Press, which will be available this year. Her husband is in formation for the permanent diaconate, and they have four children, one in heaven, and a set of twins due this summer. Rachel, welcome.
1: Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I love the quote you picked. Um, let's just dive right in. Note <laughs> that, a beautiful soul, that you are the image of God.
1: Um, That's a great quote.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that You said you, it's, you've seen it as attributed to St. Augustine, who has a special place in my heart because my birthday is the Feast of St. Augustine, um, but you've seen it credited to other saints as well. Um, so tell
1: us about what this means for you. You know, it's really incredible. I first saw that when I was Protestant. So it, I don't even remember where it came from. I think someone sent it like in their graduation invitation. Now you put like your little quotes in there. So it's this little placard that, that came in in the graduation uh, invitation. And I took a picture of it. It's actually the, the header on my Twitter page. And I don't even have that card anymore, but I remember looking at it and just thinking, Wow, you you never think about that. You never think about the beauty of your own soul. We are so used to the physicality of what beauty must mean that we never think about it in this in this beautiful, ethereal, cerebral, very theoretical way of like your soul is beautiful. But if God's countenance never changes towards us, then then you better believe my soul is beautiful. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, and I think you're right that we get mixed up in the idea of beauty or we think, you know we get that false humility of like, I don't have to be beautiful. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. but there's there's value in who we are just as creations.
1: right. So true. but i've I've always carried that with me.
0: And did that, how did that contribute to your conversion?
1: You know, when I came into the church, it was it was kind of happenstance. The guy that I was dating, who now is the man that I married, he is he was Catholic. I, I, I never grew up anti-Catholic or thinking that any any real thoughts about Catholicism, except for what I had seen maybe in, in television and theater, you know, and someone finally told me that they didn't think that Catholics were Christians. And I was completely shocked by that because knowing my husband at this point, we'd only known each other for a couple months. Knowing his family, they just loved me so well. They loved me as if my soul was beautiful, and with nothing in return. And I remember thinking, "There's no way that that's true." And there, I just found so much beauty and truth in in the church. And I still remember, like it was yesterday, sitting in my first mass. We couldn't see anything. It was Easter Sunday we were late, which means that, you know, you sit in the very back because everyone comes on Easter Sunday. Yeah, if you sit. Exactly, if you sit. So, and I could hear and smell and and not quite see, but every now and then I would catch a glimpse, but it just felt like home, you know? And I didn't talk for like 20 minutes after that. And my husband, uh, my boyfriend, he looked at me and he said, are you okay? Like, are you about to break up with me? Because you haven't said anything. (laughs) here." this mess. Uh, and I said, all I can say is that I found home. This is where I was meant to be my whole life. And that was it. Beautiful.
0: Then how does your understanding of that as your home, I and mean, you guys are growing your family, and you're still very involved in your parish, and your the church with your husband, you're speaking in your husband information for the diaconate. How does that sense of home kind of live in your
1: home? Oh, wow. So the beauty of love is that love is always overflowing. It should never be something that that is turned inward. If it's turned inward, it's not love, right? So I know that the more that I love Jason, the more that it then overflows into our children and then overflows into the world. And so Our love for one another is actually what catapults the rest of our lives. It catapults every speaking engagement, everything that I write, every part of his formation, us loving on our children. And so we really try to make sure that that our own spousality to one another, uh, the way that we love one another is first and foremost taken care of, because if we don't, it affects everything else. And so that's why I really am big on when I write. When people ask, you know, what's your, what's your bio? Can you send us a bio? That's the first thing it says, Rachel is a wife. Because we, we just don't, we don't pay enough attention to that. And I think that part of us making a home is the fact that I am his wife and this home is established through our love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about, um, what it's like to be the wife as someone is going through the process for the diaconate. Recently we had my husband's best friend was ordained a priest two years ago, maybe. So we watched the whole process of that happening, mm-hmm. which was really cool and really cool for our kids to see our oldest son, his godson, thinks he's a call to the priesthood too. So it was very cool. And went to Rome for his diaconate ordination. Wow. Super cool. Back when you could go to Rome. Um, But what is that like within the context that we kind of saw it as close as we could but from a distance right so what does that what does that look like within family
1: life so it is it's at at the same time stressful and beautiful all at the same time right because everyone looks at us like we're crazy when we decided to say hey we're gonna go into formation for the diaconate it works differently for every diocese and our diocese does once a month retreats that the husband and wife are both required to go to and without children. So you go for the weekend right now, it looks a little different because of everything. Uh, sure. We only go one night instead of the two nights, but you're talking about trying to find someone to take care of for kids while we go away to this. Yeah. Just and, really- <laughs> right. Sorry guys. Take care of the kids. And um, for us, it's just been a really beautiful school of knowing what it means to be husband and wife. I actually, I was very curious. I'm one of those people that always, if I have a question, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to ask everyone. So in the very beginning of our diaconate formation, I was really curious what other formation programs were like. So I called around to a bunch of different diocese, that person that was like, hey, what's your formation like? And it's, it's very different in a lot of different places, you know, where there was one uh, formation program that was Monday nights and they met for three or four hours. And there was one that they, and a lot of them didn't require wives to be there. I was surprised that why that you go, but I think that's awesome. Yeah. Because they said that what they're finding is that when the wife is not included in the spiritual and intellectual formation of the husband, that the husband has a tendency to grow apart and the wife grows apart because they're not on the same, in the same formation per se. And it's important because his first vocation is, is to me, uh, very, first, I always like to say, we have a vocation within a vocation within a vocation, because your vocation <laughs> like is a Russian doll. Right, <laughs> it is. We're like a Russian doll. You open the Russian doll. It ma- reminds me of that, uh, that movie, the Christmas movie, uh, Rise of the Guardians, where he's like, what's inside your Russian doll? But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I digress. But the first vocation is your call to holiness. And then out of that vocation, then comes your next vocation, whether that that be the priesthood or religious life or married life. And, And then comes the permanent diaconate. Now, the permanent diaconate is super young. I mean, they just reinstated it with Vatican II. So it's not, I mean, it's not very old, especially in church years. So they're still trying to figure out exactly what the theological understanding of the diaconate is. And because you're married it's gonna have an effect on your married life. Yes, And so it's rightly ordered for the wife to be included. In fact, a lot of dioceses require the wife to sign an annual consent. Like I'm giving my annual yes to him. And if at any point the wife says no, they won't allow them to go through formation or allow them to, to be ordained. And so for us, I really noticed there that we really need to understand who we are as husband and wife before we decide to, to add on this other vocation. And so it's been a beautiful and stressful and amazing school of learning more about who we are and, and teaching our children what we're really called to be. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm drawn to the idea that like, this is, a service to the community. Like you said, the love starts in your family and then goes out. But those times when you need someone to come watch your kids so you can go away, then your community is helping you. Yeah, And, and that we're so, I mean, even pre-COVID with all technology, right, where there's people always talking about people being too lonely and too separated and too detached. Um, But this is such an intentional draw of your family life into community.
1: Yes, it really is. And what's the, what's amazing is that we right before we went for our discernment, the way that it works, you have a year of discernment, you meet quarterly, and then we had, I think five years of formation and then the the ordination. So the night before our discernment, we found out we were pregnant with baby number four. And for me, I've always done ministry and things. And so this was really like a big deal, especially, I mean, obviously for our family, for the life of the church, but I knew that for my husband, that he had felt a very intense call towards this. And I knew that it was something that he was called to. So I was trying not to tell him until after <laughs> we get formation. That doesn't work by the way, cause I'm not, I don't have a good poker face with him. So I'm coming to the bedroom and he just looks at me and goes, what's wrong with you? He's like, are you, <laughs> are we pregnant? I was like, yes. And he sat there for like 20 minutes, just just in shock. And he goes, well then we're, we're not gonna go tomorrow. And I was like, really? Because this is baby number four. It's not like it's the first one or the second one. I mean, people could drop off their kids and we might not even know they're here. (laughs) And uh, I said, this is fine. And so it was really beautiful the way that our formation program handled it. We ended up giving birth to Abigail during that, that formation year. And then she came with us that whole four year full year afterwards before she got super mobile. But she was coming with us. She would stay with us in our room at the retreat house and then just be with us in class. And so she grew up with a lot of aunts and uncles. And even now with the twins, they'll still have that, that first year really of being able to go through formation with us. And so it is a really beautiful way that our community has kind of expounded.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's just saying yes over and over again, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yes, serve the community. Yes, we will respond to this call and that call and this call. That's actually two calls in one. Um, <laughs> right. And that's just honoring. I'm going back. To, I'm thinking back to the quote, know then oh beautiful soul that you are the image of God. Like Each of those yeses is saying, yes, I accept this part of me that you created. And I think so often there's something that we're scared of that we end up saying no because we're scared or like, I'm not entirely sure. Can we consider this further? I have some thoughts, Lord, that you may not have considered. Um, But when we keep saying yes, it's this beautiful, literal, sometimes life-giving thing that just keeps overflowing and overflowing. And whether or not that's biological children, right? Like there's a lot of, there's, right. when when, when, he, when we teach pre you know, we talk a little bit about theology of the body, that's mostly someone else's job. Um, but we talk a little bit about how your marriage is, is supposed to be total faithful, fruitful and free, right? So that, that fruitful is sometimes it's biological children and sometimes it's just what you as a couple give to your community. Like how you are that space. Maybe you're the space where someone can come over and have dinner when it's been a hard day. Or maybe, um, I don't know, there's so many other ways that we can be life-giving in our communities. And I think this is a really beautiful example of that. Like, yeah, we have a lot going on at home. And we can do this for our church because this is what we're called to.
1: Yeah, and we actually, before we went into the permanent diaconate and and pre-COVID, we would have young adults come over here every week and we would just do some sort of book study together or just have a theological discussion. And it would go from, you know, sometimes just five or six people showing up. We had one time that 35 young adults showed up at our house. (laughs) And, but out of this community has come not only people that help us with our kids, but it's also extended our family. And actually the first time that Jason heard someone say, you would be a good deacon was from someone in that community. And that that reality didn't take root until I agreed, though, which is the beauty of that spousal yes and that spousal fiat. But because of that, our family is much larger. So we've had this ability to, to have the, the physical fruitfulness of our own children. But we have all of these young adults that will – I have one young adult who now she lives in, in Texas. And occasionally she'll text me and she'll go, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's it's the fruitfulness of it is is really based on how you're going to look at what's going on in your life, yeah,
0: and how you see yourself. Like, do you understand right. and appreciate all the things that you were created to be, or right. are you shying away from those, or you're not sure, or you don't trust that that could really be you, or you're really capable of that thing, or it seems scary, or like there's so many so many reasons that we put in the way of doing the things that we're called to do, because I don't know why (laughs) I don't have a good end to that. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, Maybe because the world is telling us to do less or, you know, take care of yourself first. Um, and there's some of that, but some of it is you just need to go out and just say yes to the things you're called to.
1: Right. It's true. And I think that, you know, the things that the world is telling us to do, like self care and say yes to yourself, those are not things that, that are against the will of God. It's just that they, They've become twisted in the in the hands of the enemy, and have become selfish things instead of things that are life giving things. And and throughout all of this, it's made me think about that uh, when Jesus says in the Gospels, you know, whoever does the will of my Father is my mother. And and there are people that hear that and think, well, wow, what a slap in the face to the Blessed Mother for you to say like, well, all these people are my mother. But really we know as Catholics that when she says yes, it actually imbues everyone's yes. It makes everyone's yes possible. And so no matter whether you're saying yes to spending an extra five minutes with your mailman because he needs to tell you about the pain of his day, or you're saying yes to opening your home to young adults, or you're saying yes to helping out the bake sale at church, you are taking part in that same motherly yes. And in that moment, you are sharing in not only that Marian Fiat, but in the life of the church, the life of the church who always says yes to the father and always says yes to the son. And so we, we tend to make everything so minuscule. So even your self-care is a way that you are doing the will of the father and saying yes as the mother.
0: Yeah. And I think over the last year, we've seen that what was detached and people being lonely and separated has only gotten so much farther. Um, And we get to choose as, as things are opening up and as, things are changing, we get to choose if we're gonna go back to that or if we're gonna make this a more communal, community lifestyle. Like how much are we going to open our homes when it's possible and safe to do that? And how much are we gonna open our hearts and our time um, and let other people in? Because there are a lot of people who need it.
1: And we need it, you know, like- We need it. And it is hard. I mean, don't get us don't get me wrong, you know, opening your house to a bunch of young adults once a week was hard. That is a difficult thing, trying to get my kids in bed on time, and and also host everyone, and then have food for everyone. I mean, it was, a, it was I'm imagining thing. how many bags of chips you needed. Oh my gosh, a lot of chips, a lot of bottled water, lots of. Uh, so there was there were lots of uh, trips to like Costco and yeah, and the Santa Costco membership paid for itself in like a week. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so true. But everything beautiful requires some suffering with it. Yeah. And, and you decide what you're going to do with this. And so right now, like you said, this this time of the pandemic has really kind of given us a microscopic view of our own woundedness and it's what you're going to do now. Yeah. Like, are you going to because the only way that you can help a wound is, is sometimes to cut a little bit deeper and make it bigger so that it heals well. Yes. You know I always tell people my husband is in orthopedics and, and he'll tell, he's told me stories about people coming in with a broken limb and that has healed incorrectly and they can function, but for it to be fixed wholly, it has to be rebroken and it has to be formed again and healed correctly. And some, I think that maybe this is going to be the opportunity for a lot of people to say, wow, I didn't even realize this wound was here in order for me to fix it. I'm going to have to open it back up again and start over and it's painful, but man, it's worth it because you're meant for wholeness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when we trust God that he knows what he's doing, we end up going right. in the right direction. All right, Amen. well, we have gone a little bit over, but I <laughs> don't care, and I'm not going to edit a single thing out, because that was the conversation. Um, so thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review wherever you find your shows, and tell a friend. Until next time, God bless you. Are you looking to serve God and society? consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.